0: Hi, this is Inez, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my joy to be with you on this day. Thanks for joining me. It is Sunday, August 14th. Well, we have finally reached the end of our series, Not a Fan. This has been a hard-hitting, yet very practical journey that begs the question, are you a fan of Jesus Christ, or are you a fully committed follower? In this final sermon, the question is, are you sold out for Jesus? Are you willing to give it all to follow him? The scripture reference today is found in Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 30, and it is here that we're going to find out the answer to that question. So open up your Bible or Bible app to Luke 18 and follow along as I read. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich, When Jesus saw this, he said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? He replied, What is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, We've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Amen to the reading of his word. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have to continue in this amazing study about not being a fan, but a follower of you. Lord, teach us on this last message to really convict us in our heart? Are we sold out for you? Thank you for the privilege we have to come together today and for all that have joined. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Robbie Zacharias told the story about a boy that loved collecting marbles. He lived next door to a little girl who had a lot of candy. She said to him, if you'll give me all of your marbles, I'll give you all of my candy. He said he'd think about it. The next day, he hid a few of the marbles in his room and offered the rest to the little girl for her candy. That night, he couldn't get to sleep. He tossed, and he turned, and he turned, and he tossed all night because he was so troubled. And what do you think troubled him so much that he couldn't sleep? What troubled him was the thought, did she really give me all of her candy? In our story today, we meet a man who wanted everything God could give. He came to Jesus and said in verse 18, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, he wanted everything God could give. And in verse 22, Jesus asked him for everything he could give. He said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Some time back, I watched a video of a very popular young preacher who talked about the importance of taking up your cross and following Christ. He was very earnest and powerful in his presentation, but then he said, Jesus taught that the rich should sell all their possessions and give their money to the poor. You know, a number of years ago during the Obama administration, they maintained that if the rich didn't give more to underwrite certain government social programs, that would be morally troubling, quote unquote. Supporting that belief, comedian Stephen Colbert referred to this story about the rich young ruler, and said roughly the same thing that the preacher said in that video. He said, Jesus actually said rich people should sell all their possessions and give the money to the poor, quote unquote. Now, there's a couple of problems with Colbert's statement. First, Jesus never told the rich to sell all they had and give to the government. I can say that without the slightest fear of contradiction. It never happened. And second, Jesus never told the rich to sell all they had and give it to the poor. Now, granted, The Bible does teach that the rich are responsible to help the poor. Greater wealth calls for greater responsibility, and God expects the wealthy to step up and help those who are less fortunate. But Jesus never said that the rich should sell all they have and give it to the poor. He only said it to this rich young ruler. And he only said it to him because this young man was diseased. He was infected with greed. He was sick with selfishness. The source of his disease was his love for his possessions and his money, and there was only one cure for his disease, and that was that he needed to sell everything, give the money to the poor, and follow Jesus. If this young man wanted all that Jesus could give, then he needed to give Jesus all that he had. Jesus was calling the man to be sold out for him. In fact, Jesus did that repeatedly to everyone who wanted to follow him he repeatedly called for his followers to be sold out for him. In Luke 9, 57-62, Jesus said, Someone said, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. In other words, if this man followed Jesus, he might not have a place to live or to sleep. Continuing on with verse 59, He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Over and over and over again, Jesus told these folks to pick up their crosses and follow him. He repeatedly called for them to be sold out to him. Essentially, Jesus was saying, if you're not going to give me everything, don't bother me. Jesus isn't interested in just some of their marbles. He wanted them all. For Jesus, it was all or nothing. Folks, when you call Jesus your Lord, you have turned over ownership of your possessions to him. A good example is, take your wallet, for instance. Everything in that wallet belongs to God. We give him a portion of that through our offerings, but it all belongs to him. The money that we don't give to church is spent on bills, entertainment, food, and other things. But it's all spent with the understanding that it's God's money and not ours. What we use that money for should reflect the God that we serve. In the same way, our families belong to Jesus. They're not ours. They're his. And so God is going to hold us accountable for how we treat them. Our house, our car, our clothes, they're all his. Folks, Jesus wants our wallets, wants our homes, wants our cars, our families. Jesus wants all of us. Years ago, I read about a church in South America where the preacher had gotten really intense with his sermons on sacrificing for Jesus and the importance of turning all their possessions over to him. Several of the people became so convicted that they literally handed over the deeds to their homes. The leaders of the church were amazed and then very concerned. They realized they had no way of using all these homes for ministry, and if they sold the properties, the people who had given them to the church would be homeless. So they prayed about those deeds for a long time. Then they called the homeowners into the church building and explained that they were accepting these deeds in the name of Jesus, but that they were returning the deeds to them with the understanding that now these homes belonged to Jesus. They could live in the homes, but they no longer belonged to them. They were now caretakers of God's property, and they would be expected to find ways of using their homes for Jesus. Essentially, that's what we do when we make Jesus our Lord. We turn over our homes, our cars, our families, our bank accounts, our very lives. It's all His. We are all His. We have to come to grips with the fact that God wants all of our marbles, all of our resources, and he wants us to use those resources to invest in his kingdom. Here's an example. You have a home. You have a mortgage payment every month. You pay the electric, gas, water, and sewage. You sweep the carpets or mop the floors, mow the yard, rake the leaves, etc. You buy groceries for the refrigerator. Those are normal investments you need to make in your home every month. But every once in a while, you need to invest in something more for the house. Perhaps a new roof, or your microwave goes out, or you have to buy a new one. And as time goes on, you'll have to replace other items that go above and beyond normal monthly bills that you have to pay. But you have to do that. If you're going to be invested in that home, you need to make those kinds of planned and unplanned expenditures. The Bible says that we are part of God's building, not the physical building we're meeting in but rather we are part of God's church, his spiritual house. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 says, We are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. In other words, you and I are God's building. The body of believers, this body of believers is his temple. Just like our earthly homes, this home, the spiritual temple, needs regular investments on our part. Now, of course, part of that involves giving our treasure. Many of you realize the importance of giving a tithe of your income to underwrite the financial needs of the congregation. And you set the example for the rest about the importance of that responsibility. Now you understand the importance of giving of your treasure to maintain God's spiritual house. But building up this spiritual house also requires us to use our time and talents, such as volunteering, maybe to be a greeter, operate the computer, be part of your audio team, sing or play on the worship team, teaching Sunday school and or Bible studies, helping out with the children or the teens or another ministry in a people group there at church or being part of the setup and takedown crews, and on and on and on. Those are the time, talent, and treasures that are necessary to keep the body functioning. They are like the regular daily investments we make in our homes. If God's people step up and make those regular investments in God's spiritual house, everything runs fairly smoothly, and the church can do great things for God. But if people don't step up, things begin to disintegrate. You can't have a great church if you expect everyone else to take up for the slack. You've heard the 80-20 rule. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That needs to change. A great church continues to be a great church because everybody said, if it's going to be, it's going to be up to me. Now, I didn't coin that phrase. I've heard it for many, many years. Maybe you have too. The church will succeed only if the majority of us decide we're going to give our time, talent, and treasure to God's kingdom. But now every once in a while, someone gets convicted to invest in something bigger. I recently talked to a young man from another church who's been taking kids to youth group and church every Sunday, and his minivan isn't getting the job done anymore. So he and his wife decided they needed to invest in a 12 to 15 passenger van. He said it wouldn't belong to the church. They would pay for it, keep it insured, pay for upkeep, but it belonged to God. The vehicle's main purpose would be getting kids to church that might not otherwise go. Now, folks, my point is that people like these are sold out for Jesus. They've put all their marbles on the table and invested them in God's kingdom. But your marbles are different than their marbles. The cross Jesus asks you to pick up is different than their cross. You have a different mission than they do, a different purpose, a different cross. Romans 12 Verses four through eight tells us that just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Your purpose in the body of Christ is different than the person next to you. And the body of Christ needs you, beloved. If part of my body ceases to function, my body can't function well. It suffers. And since you have a gift from God, if you don't use it, the church will be less than it could be. Let me repeat the body of Christ is made up of many parts, and the body functions best when all of those parts do their part. In other words, the body of Christ needs you. So the question for you today is this Are you doing your part in the body? Are you sold out for Jesus? There are a lot of churchgoers who are not sold out, and you know why they're not? Well, one reason is a lack of trust in God's promises. Remember the story I told at the beginning of this sermon? Remember why that little boy tossed and turned all night long? He wondered, did she give me all her candy? Did she give all she promised? And that's why many people don't sell out for Jesus. They don't believe Jesus will give them all that he promised. But Jesus said in Matthew 6:33a, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously." I say that again. "Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously." Come on, say that with me. "Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously." Now, what's the rest of the verse? Tell me now. That's right. Look at Matthew 6:33b and He will give you everything you need. So let's say it all together. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. There are churchgoers across the nation that don't believe that. They don't believe that if they seek God's kingdom first and invest themselves in his church, that God will provide all they need. Now, I'm not sure I blame them. It's tough to believe God sometimes. If you don't, the only person who loses out, though, Is you. But if you're willing to put it on the line for Jesus, if you're willing to give Him ownership of all you are and have, if you're willing to put all your marbles on the table, Jesus promises He will give you everything you need. Let me bring this sermon to a close. Some time ago, I read a story about a fellow named Trey who was a worship leader at a church in Indiana. He and his wife had been considering a move to Buffalo, New York to help a struggling church of about 35 people. He said they were thinking of moving all that way for a church that couldn't really pay them to come. Why on earth would they do that? Well, he and his wife had been convicted that he should get back into preaching, and so they left themselves open to God's guidance in the matter, and they believed that this is where God wanted them to be. They were convicted by the idea that if they sought God's kingdom and his righteousness first, that God would supply their needs. Now, where did Trey get that idea from? He related a story about his grandfather that explained it. Years prior, his grandfather, they called him Mr. Morris, worked down on the docks in Louisiana. It was good work and good pay, and provided for his family. But one day, a young man came to the boss and asked for a job. He said he needed the money to pay for classes at a nearby college. He was studying to be a doctor and things were a bit tight. The boss said rather gruffly, there are no jobs to be had, move along. Trey's grandfather overheard the discussion and threw down his tools. And loudly enough for the rest of the crew to hear him, he said, And if you don't hire that man, we all quit. He wants to go to college to be a doctor, and we need more men like him. Now bear in mind, Mr. Morris was speaking for all the other dock workers, but as soon as they heard him stand up for this young man, they all came to his side and said he was right. If he doesn't get a job here, we're all walking off the job. The crew boss objected that they didn't have room for another worker, but they were all in agreement. They insisted this young man get a job. And he did. Years later, Trey's grandfather contracted cancer. He was lying in a hospital bed when a doctor came into his room and picked up the chart. As the doctor was leafing through the papers, he looked at Mr. Morris and asked, you don't recognize me, do you? No, he replied. I'm the young man you threatened to quit your job over so I could pay my way through college. And he left the room. Trey said his grandparents never received a single bill for his treatment. That single story of his grandfather standing up for a young college student seemed to sum up Trey's faith in a God who would stand up for him. Trey believed in a God who promised to give him his all, and so he was willing to give God his all. That's what followers of Christ do. That's what people who pick up their crosses daily and follow Jesus do. That's what people who are sold out for him do. But until you belong to Jesus and give Him your life, you can't do anything else that's going to matter. So I ask you today, what's it going to be? Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church, real people, a real God, real hope.